This is maybe one of the more important parts of our conversation and where I learned that AI doesn't always tell the truth. Humans are biased and humans invented this. Uh, I mean, you and, and others in the field. And there is a concern about biased outcomes. Uh, there was a Harvard study showing that 79% of senior IT leaders reported concerns that these technologies bring the potential for security risks, and another 73% are concerned about biased outcomes. I have an issue with it because I've, I've used this, and I'll give, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was trying to, to, to define a political outcome, and it was a political viewpoint, and I put the information into a large language model, I think it was BART or, or ChatGPT, I can't remember, and it almost told me what I wanted to hear, and it kind of confirmed in my mind what I, what I believed. But when I went back out and I tried to find a source to support my viewpoint, I couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. Where was that coming from? Ah, so uh, we touched on already uh, in these systems, uh, the very strong trajectory is the data is the code. So its outputs are reflected by the data that you feed it. Um, the concept that you're, you're uh, hinting towards there um, has been more broadly recognized uh, and, and labeled uh, hallucinations, where the systems, if you are sort of at the center of the model, um, generally provide uh, pretty good, pretty reasonable results. When you start getting towards the edges of the model, uh, you have much greater chance of, of these hallucinations, where it's uh, saying something with equivalent conviction uh, that it did in the earlier ones at the center of the model, uh, but now saying things that uh, make far less sense and are in some cases are completely and obviously factually incorrect. When you dig into the underlying math of the systems and how they work, and, and if you're interested, I'm happy to go into that a little bit, uh, it is explainable, but it certainly is problematic. Can it be, I'm not even sure it should be, what, what's the answer here? Is, is it to make a system that's completely unbiased or maybe we want it to have some sort of bias, maybe it's even better than what we're thinking. Uh, better, so, better outcomes. So on bias, um, the systems today are reflecting the data that they're fed. Uh, the first generations of the large language models, uh, OpenAI uh, with, uh, with ChatGPT, Google with Bard, Anthropic, et cetera, uh, trained on the general uh, for the most part, on the general internet. And uh, I would describe the internet at the point it was trained as, as naive. The internet didn't know that these systems, uh, large language models existed or were coming along. And the systems kind of sucked all of the data <laughs> out of the internet of content providers. Um, there's some other issues there where I think it is uh, ultimately breaking an implicit contract that had existed between content providers and aggregators. Maybe we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but uh, they, the, the, these models were trained on the internet as it exists today. And the internet today is basically true, um, but there certainly are some exceptions of people already using the internet for uh, misinformation or uh, kind of expressing dogmatic views. And all of that is reflected today in the large language models. Um, maybe then specifically a little more on, on, on what exactly drives the phenomena of hallucinations, why you get them. 
is the large language models have an explicit uh, uh, element of how they work, um, a variable that in its responses um, adds an element of, of randomization or kind of going down the statistical probability tree. So it's not always returning the most obvious answer. And there's two reasons for that, two motivations for it. One is it makes the system seem more human and creative and organic. The other side, uh, we hinted at this previously, is um, around kind of intellectual property and uh, the position that the large language models providers are taking, which is um, positioning themselves under a, a fair use doctrine, which is they can use the data that's out and available on the internet and they're using it for training, um, uh, not using uh, or, or, or uh, misappropriating uh, the data. Um, because if you took that variable that kind of does the randomization and turned it to zero, what the models would return uh, when you ask them a question is basically precisely what it trained on. So it would be a plagiarization engine instead of a, a reasoning model. That brings up an important point because there are so many new companies and you're certainly involved in this. Uh, it's gonna be very, very costly. How do small startup companies even compete uh, with the large behemoths that are out there just because of the cost of the data. Everybody's getting very proprietary about their data set. Yes. And how are you going to be able to afford it? Yeah. So, um, in our view, data uh, is the strategic asset. And there's greater recognition of that after the launch of ChatGPT as the first one out the gate and now the other large language models. We referred earlier to the, to the naive internet where the large language models came and kind of sucked out the data and trained their systems around it. Um, with the launch of ChatGPT, now the internet is no longer naive. <laughs> the, the, the content providers have woken up and you can see the behavior now changing. They've been giving it away and they want they, to get paid. Where they were kind of giving it away. But the reason that they were giving it away previously is there was an implicit contract between content providers and aggregators like Google where Google could index the content providers, but the implicit contract was, you know, Google would provide a service, but then ultimately uh, deliver traffic back, which had value and was monetizable for the site. So those guys over there are waking up to the fact that there's a lot of money being lost here. Correct. Now they're waking up and they're changing behavior. You can see already sites that were uh, uh, that are changing their terms of service and saying you can't do that. Uh, there are sites that are taking content that was openly available and putting it behind a wall of some kind. And there are others, and I think we'll see more of this, where they're actually going to the, the large language models, the foundational uh, uh, model providers, and saying, you know, we can see with these carefully constructed queries evidence of our proprietary data, and the only place that's available is through us, our proprietary data reflected in your outputs. So uh, here's an invoice, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> so the next generation of these models that are built, the big foundational models, we think are going to be much more operationally complex to construct, are probably going to be more expensive, and the ongoing maintenance uh, of them uh, is going to be more expensive than, than people think. You know, as a portfolio manager for, for, for Bellpoint, most of my job lies in the public markets. Uh, I'm on conference calls all the time, and we're right in the middle of the earnings season. I've probably 
listened to 27 conference calls and, and or had read the transcripts, every single one is talking about their, their project uh, in AI and how it's going to be benefit the top and bottom line. And I've seen it happen. I've seen companies like John Deere, some of the airlines are using it, General Motors is using it to find faults in their, their, their robotics. My question is, how many of these companies are actually doing something useful and how many are just paying lip service to it? Um, so I think a lot of it goes back to our discussion around what is the definition of, of AI. Um, I think, again, just about every company and certainly every progressive company today is doing something of some flavor. So at the simplest, you could say that with machine learning models, the, de the definition of AI is using the data that you're generating and creating a feedback loop for continuous improvement. And if there's any major company, any Fortune 500 company today that isn't doing that, then um, they're clearly doing it wrong. Um, where I'm a little bit more skeptical is on their use and applications of generative AI, kind of the latest uh, chapter. Um, I'm sure that there is very active exploration. Um, I haven't yet seen uh, a lot of great examples of them using it um, super productively or kind of using it to make their employees uh, dramatically more productive or using it to uh, dramatically change their cost structures. But that their potential is there and will come. You know, we first met uh, on a conference, a Zoom call, actually, uh, for Bellpoint, and we were talking about Triatomic and, you know, some of the investments that you were making. And one of the things, I, I never forgot it, you, you, we talked about it, we talked about all the potential money that could be made from some of these new startups out there, but you, you said a lot of bad investments are going to be made, a lot of money is going to be lost, a lot of companies are not going to deliver, and people already maybe paying too much for some of these companies. Can you give us a, an example or two or something you're seeing out there that we should be aware of? Sure. Uh, I mean, we, <laughs> we, we already talked a little bit about uh, uh, the first internet wave through the late 90s that uh, kind of crashed with the internet bubble early 2000s. And uh, one of the famous figures of that was, uh, were the, the, the Pets.com sock puppets, where people thought that it made a lot of sense to ship around 50-pound bags of dog food uh, at, uh, at very low cost. Um, but it was born out of the exuberance of, yeah, it was possible. Um, so I think there is, uh, uh, on the positive side, there is a massive amount of innovation that's happening right now, amazing teams being put together, incredible technology being developed. So there will be, um, uh, and actually the cost of capital of doing the first rounds of innovation and demonstrating proof of concept are dramatically lower. So I think there's a lot of things that, feed in that the, the, uh, the ingredients heading into this are very positive. That said, I do fear that because of the sudden emergence of AI, consumer uh, awareness of AI that really was the launch of, of ChatGPT about a year ago, where you know, I described a 20-year arc of technology development that led up to that and people who were inside the system and building the systems felt this wave building, but it crested quite dramatically with the consumer launch of ChatGPT, where it went from zero to 100 million users in the space of three weeks and showed everybody else that hadn't been in the engine room building this stuff um, the, the dramatic power of, of data and compute together. Um, 
But that's created uh, now a huge amount of excitement and, and frankly a fair amount of froth around it. So we see a lot of, of cases of uh, you know, suddenly self-anointed uh, AI experts uh, that, are <laughs> that are going out and, and chasing deals and-, and uh, I think you said uh, they were crypto experts uh, and, before and, that. Yeah, they might have been. If you go back into their history, they, two years prior they were crypto experts and two years before that they were experts in whatever else was, was hot at the time. Um, but there's, there's uh, the positive side of excitement, but the, the negative side of froth around it and a lot of deal chasing and, and deals being taken to uh, kind of not uh, credible, not sane valuations. All right. Um, hopefully we can sidestep, sidestep some of those bad investments. I, I want to take a break here and go back in time. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And of course, you know what comes next. This is the part where I ask for your support, and no, it doesn't cost money. If you like today's podcast, hit subscribe and let us know what you think. Also, don't forget to visit me on Substack, where I publish my blog and research. You'll find articles, charts, audio, and video. Thanks for joining. I'm David Nelson.